So the last time we, our intrepid adventurers, were out and about, uh, Ty had a uh, evening rendezvous on a yacht with the mysterious Emerelda, who claimed that she was working to cut off the realm from the Celestials and the Demons in order to make the realm independent and just let people do what people do. Yeah. So the party's there sitting in shock. They're processing Ty's report about his meeting with, with Emerelda. Cal is mostly worried about what would happen to a sheep. Typical. Uh, and Ty is a little worried about what, you know, what would the dragons do? You know, would they reestablish their reign over all the mortals like they used to? Uh, they debate about talking to Varen Camry about it, see what he would, uh, what, you know, what his perspective would be. Obviously, being a celestial, he probably would not want this plan to go through. Cecil the Paladin questions the validity of Emerald's claim. Think she, he thinks that, you know, she's just lying to, you know, send them off on a wild goose chase to, to prevent her, to prevent them from stopping, from to prevent them from stopping her demonic invasion. Ty thinks it over, thinks that this is uh, worth investigating. So Cecil's going to go off to uh, the Temple of Heronius to learn what he can about that. In the meantime, Ty decides to go to the Mage Guild to see if he can learn anything about the same matter from them. In the meantime, Cal had a dream that inspired him to take someone to visit his sheep. Uh, there's three of them, and their names are Pat, Jamie, and Sigmund. Uh, he asks Cecil to go with them, who agrees, and the sheep happen to be in Cal's room at the, uh, at the tavern. Uh, when they get in there, Cal asks Cecil to bless them, which he amusingly agrees to and casts bless on them. In the meantime, Ty, who came along, casts minor illusion to make Cal see the sheep as glowing. He's over the moon. He picks them all up in his massive arms, takes them out to the stables, walking through you know, the, uh, the tavern to get there. Greffer is you know, playing some music and stops momentarily, seeing you know, the giant Cal walking out with three sheep in his arms. He keeps going. Uh, Cal goes into a massive speech about how amazing Cecil is. He's the greatest paladin in all of history, which gets him into an argument with the local yokel uh, about everything. After about a half hour of, frankly, alcohol-fueled terrible small talk, Ty gets tired of things and casts a suggestion on the local and tells him to go walk north for eight hours. And the local promptly does so. Uh, anyway, Ty, Ty asks Grufford to get uh, his band back together for a concert at the Gilded Nettle. That's the rich tavern in the, the rich part of town. That'll happen the, the following Saturday. Uh, meantime, Erdak goes to the blacksmith guild in town. Uh, he wants to pick up a project, and he gets handed some, uh, some special project after you know, uh, some suspicious questioning about his lack of local ties in the media family. And that'll take him a few minutes to do the projects, and, but he doesn't really ask any questions about it. In the meantime, Cecil goes to the temple to, of Heronius and speaks with the high priest there, um, asking about you know, how the world was formed, you know, what would happen if the gods were cut off. And uh, the high priest is a little disturbed by that, but explains that the, you know, the realm was created by the gods you know, coming together and you know, contributing a portion of their essence to it. He, and he says if the realm were cut off from them, then, you know, the, the realm would continue on, but, you know, it would kind of fall into darkness without the presence of the gods there. In the meantime, Ty is over at the Mage Tower and bribes his way into a meeting with, one, with uh, their local expert on the planar travel. And the Archmage t- explains that higher-level beings, you know, return to their home realm when they're killed in another realm. And, you know, if the place is sealed off, then that would 
you know, uh, a celestial or a demon killed in our realm would die because their soul couldn't pass on. Personally, the Archmage would prefer not to have that happen because he just, he likes traveling around. And when Ty asks him about if it was really possible, the Archmage explains that, you know, thousands of years ago there was a wizard by the name of Morkanal, and he was just obsessed with keeping their realm uh, safe from outside influence. Uh, he got so obsessed with it, in fact, that he delved into the dark arts and surrendered himself to Lichdom to continue his research. And the kingdom that he uh, worked in, you know, disappeared centuries ago, and, you know, in a, in a desert. And no one knows if he ever succeeded or not. And, uh, <clears throat> and let's see. Other stuff that's going on here. So at this point, everyone gets back together at the uh, at the tavern, and to share what they uh, what they've learned, they decide to oppose Emerelda and her plan. They're going to infiltrate it, and uh, they decide to get together with Varen to uh, to talk with it. There's some issues with the anti scrying stone because apparently you need this; it blocks the rocky talkie. So they agree to meet in the morning without sharing any details. You know, Varen's estate. And uh, so when everyone retires for the night, Cal decides to sneak out and acquire a Zorro-style mask for himself without being seen. And he finds a uh, local clothier to provide him that. And uh, <laughs> and so, you know, Erdek comes back and, you know, kind of catches up about what he's been working on. And Cal, you know, wants to know if he can work at the Blacksmith Guild, too. And well, Erdek tries to explain that there's more to being a blacksmith, you know, in the guild than hitting things with a hammer, you know, like like signing your name, legibly. Uh, that causes some bickering, and then <laughs> during it, Gruffer actually confides to Erdek that all the songs are about Cal and his ridiculous adventures. He says that you know folks in the tavern eat it up and tip him and tip him really nicely. Uh, so after everyone goes to goes to bed for the night, Cal decides to sneak out his window, you know. Uh, wearing his Zoro mask, and he goes out looking for evil people to punish. Um, after a couple of hours of, you know, getting arguments with people, he hears uh, um, a door being kicked down, and he finds uh, four bandits uh, running away with uh, with their gear. He chases after them, and, well, long story short, he winds up killing three of them and badly beating the, the, the fourth one, and is not done quietly. So... Naturally, it attracts attention of everybody in the area, and he drags a bandit back to the house they broke out, broke that they, you know, broke into and stole all the stuff from. And they realize that oh, you know, he was, uh, you know, Cal was telling the truth here. He didn't just murder some random people. Uh, but Cal still convinced that several of them are very racist against large humans, such as himself. Now, on his way back to the the Crooked Lantern, Cal's intercepted by about half a dozen constables who asks him to return with him to the uh, constabulary. And he says he won't, you know, and just last one they say that uh, they say they're going to force him to. And there's a lot of confusion, confusion about uh, Cal just not getting what the constables are trying to tell him to do. And it's just frankly not, not sharp enough for that. So the constables promptly, you know, knock him out and drag him back to, uh, to, to, the, to jail. Come morning... People are, you know, hearing multiple stories about what happened that night. You know, one, you know, one story says there was an ogre that went on a rampage and murdered, you know, three people. Another says a noble masked man killed three bandits to stop a robbery. 
Cecil you know, immediately figures out what's ha- what happened, goes down to the local jail, speaks with a constable about Cal, who's just you know, sleeping off his wounds. Uh, Bale said a 1,000 gold pieces, and Cecil just asks for a wagon to be brought to haul the unconscious Goliath out. Uh, the exchange, money exchanges hands, and they haul Cal back to the stable at the Crooked Lantern, and Aaron just laughs and offers to make the, uh, the Zora mask permanent. And uh, Cecil, he, he declines because he likes Cal. Uh, so while Cal's sleeping off uh, you know, his, his beating, Erdak goes back to the Blacksmith Guild to work on his project, and the rest of the group goes to uh, Varen's estate. Uh, they fill Varen in about um, Emerald's plan, and, <clears throat> you know... Varen's, uh, you know, Varen's a little concerned about some members of the party not being the sharpest tool in the sheds, but, you know, Ty vouches for them, as does Cecil. And Varen says he'll, you know, he'll, he'll consult with the other Celestials and good members of the Pantheon to see what they can do. But in the meantime, he likes their plan to infiltrate Emerald's operation. And, uh, you know, Ty, ever the, uh, the moocher, uh, asks Varen what he can contribute to their success. So he uh, he coughs up a couple rings of mind shielding, you know, to reinforce everybody so that, you know, they don't have their minds read by people. Uh, from there, the group heads to uh, Emerald's estate. This is, you know, Ty, Cecil, and Gesh. Or maybe not Gesh. Eh, who knows what Gesh was doing. Um, from there, they head to Emerald's estate. Chance was the door herself. Ty tries to say, you know, hey, we're in. And she just laughs. She's like, do you think I wasn't having you guys followed? <laughs> I know what's going on. But as she says that, uh, you know, she still has some use for, for, for them. And the fact is she wants the demons stopped, just like them. Uh, but, you know, the demons can uh, unveil her work to the authorities because of her, you know, work with Amaris. She's in bed with uh, the, the demons. So what she'll do is give them access to Amaris' home and allow, and allow the party to unmask who he really is to the city on the condition that she can cast a ga- chaos on Ty to prevent him from telling anyone who she truly is. Ty agrees. Uh, Emerald gives him directions on where to go to have the chaos placed on him, or chaos. I can never say that right. And she says, I'll conclude their business. And, you know, they follow her directions. An elderly man casts, it out, casts a on her on Ty, saying, you'll infiltrate Emerald's organization and mask him to the public and do not mention Lady Emerald.'" He then gives them the instructions to Amherst's secret layer. It's a sequence of five books in his library that if they move it, move them in the right order, it'll open up a door to his wine cellar, and that's where they'll find everything they need to unmask him. Uh, so the next day, they're ma- they, they stake out Amherst's uh, estate and decide to wait you know, until at least before Ty and Erdak infiltrate the place. But after a few hours, nothing has happened there, so they get impatient. Um, Ty and Erdak go in posing as members of the guild, but then nobody answers the door. Uh, they decide to take the risk and dimension door into a closet, you know, go invisible, and the place is just completely silent. They get through without any trouble. They enter the, the book sequence in the library. Oak reveals a door, takes, uh, takes them downstairs. And as they go downstairs, each step just gets colder, you know, the air gets colder and colder and colder. By the time you get to the bottom of the stairwell, it's freezing. Um... So when they're there, they're in the hallway, you know, they open the door at the bottom and reveals a hallway and there's two doors, you know, on, on the one side and they open the door <clears throat> using mage hand and they, he can hear, you know, heavy footprints and scraping sounds 
uh, inside. And Erdak <clears throat> uh, tries using a rope trick to, to hide them, but unfortunately the, the opening to the extra-dimensional space with that spell doesn't appear, probably due to ma- magical shielding around the place. Uh, so they recast invisibility, and Erdak casts spider climb on him so he can, you know, be like a spider monkey, and sneaks into the first door, and he finds, climbing up the wall, he spots four manticores inside, hunched and just ready to, you know, maul anything that comes in. And they can sense that some, something, someone's there, but not Ty specifically. And he also spots a mural of some kind of ancient origin on the ceiling with scorch marks. That doesn't sound fun. And <clears throat> he realizes that the second door in the hallway just leads into the same room, and but there's a third door on the far side of the room there. Um... And, you know, he decides that, you know, him and Erdak are not up for fighting four manticores by themselves. So they decided to head back to uh, the party and fill them in. And while they're uh, on their way out, he knows that a stone, stone at the landing is a little different than the rest of the stone around it. But, you know, they can't, you know, they try testing it, but they can't figure out what it is. So they decide to head back and get the party to go fight some manticores. And that's how the adventure last session ends.